And we're live, officially, James, on the Coffee Chatter podcast. This is exciting. Very exciting. Can't it, believe it's finally here. I know. I'm pretty nervous right now, i got to say. I'm pretty nervous. I mean, we don't want to forget how to talk here, you know? I know. What if we forget how to speak? we got a lot of conversations to be had, so I know. We'll, we'll get it going here. What if it's like... Now, what's up? What if it's like one of those awkward first dates where you can't think of something to say and you just start panicking because you, you don't know what to say? That's like one of my biggest fears. I'm going to have to look for the golden retriever to keep petting. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> just keep drinking your coffee. Just keep drinking your coffee. Little sips. Don't, don't get it all down too fast. Little sips. <laughs> so this is exciting. This is our first show. Um, so in this Coffee Chatter podcast, it's going to be BMX related. Um, we want to talk BMX, but we also want to talk to our guests who are generally going to be riders, but not necessarily. But anyway, we want to see some behind the scenes stuff. Um, and get them to tell their story a bit. So obviously riders on social media and stuff nowadays post, you know, about their training and racing and people kind of see them at the races and stuff, but they don't really know them. So one of the main goals of our podcast is to get riders to tell their story. Totally. I think we both listened to a lot of podcasts over the, uh, I'd say even past year and just been kind of an exciting thing that we wanted to try doing ourselves to get a little insight to the BMX world that I don't think a lot of people have really got a chance to hear about right and obviously we have a we're in an awesome sport it's exciting we have a lot of cool people that we know like look at the friends we've made around the world look where they're all from it's pretty incredible no it's really exciting and even talking with our first guest that's going to be coming on on this show you know it's it's cool to hear his story and i think the viewers are really like to kind of hear what his background's been like to this point yeah it's kind of crazy like we're all from different countries and yet um, we all share the same passion and um, we all have such interesting stories we can tell about how, you know, we got to where we're at now. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, we got Joris coming on the show today. He's going to be our first guest. We're really excited. Obviously, James, he's one of our, our really good friends and just uh, top guys in the sport. Yeah, definitely. And coming off such a great year for him, it'll be kind of interesting to see what he's been up to lately and what his plans are moving forward as well. So he's a big name in the sport. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of people interested in what he kind of has to say. No, for sure. And I actually personally really excited to hear about um, his decision to initially come to the U.S. because that's a huge move, you know, especially um, as a young guy from France. You know, the language barrier is one thing, but that's just a big move. No, totally. Yeah, because I can't remember when he came over, but he was a young kid from what I remember. Um, that has got to be a big change in his life, especially with having a girlfriend. Um, got to find out. I don't know if she came over at the same time. But that's a big move as a family to kind of jump into the U.S. and the U.S. scene. No, for sure. I, I look forward to hearing from Joris. Um, so you're at our satellite studio in Chula Vista right now, James, right? Oh, you, yeah. You betcha. Down here in old San Diego. <laughs> the, coffee chatter, Center. the coffee chatter Chula Vista studio. Yeah, this is our temporary on-the-go studio right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm back home in uh, good old Coquitlam, British Columbia at our, at our main studio, the main coffee yeah. chatter studio. Coffee Chatter Headquarters. Headquarters, I should say, right? Um, how's, it going in, how's it going in Cali right now? You know, things have been good. The uh, weather was a little little gray the past week, so all the riders down here have been kind of bored, I should say, just from not doing anything. But uh, things have turned around. We got on the track lately. Begin a lot of training in with the uh, kind of all the foreigners that are in town because the French team just got in here. The USA guys seem to be having a camp going on. And then we got their whole national team, Canadian national team, down here right now too. So... It's been good to get you know a good group of riders riding the track at the same time because the beginning of the month 
was uh, a little stale. It was just kind of a few of us riding. So it's nice to have a bigger group to ride with. You're not just doing efforts by yourself or just one-on-one with somebody. No, for sure. That's one of the coolest things about Chula Vista, um, especially now that uh, they've opened the center for other countries that we can all go and train there. And to be honest, I never really understood the concept of not letting people come and train there. I think at the end of the day, it only makes everyone better. And it's like the top guys are going to be fast no matter what. So why not, you know, ride together and push the limits of the sport? No, exactly. And like you see that on Tuesday nights when you get a whole bunch of fast double A pros out there battling it out. It just brings out the best in everyone. Totally. And then, yeah, I know from my own experience going to the races from there, you always know where you're at and you go to the race more confident because you're like, yep, you know, I did gates with Nick and Jared and Sean and Anthony and whoever, Joris. Um, So you know where you're at. And then by the time you go to the national the next weekend, you're already firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Confident, feeling ready to like basically do battle. I know. I'm missing you guys down there. I, uh, I rode the track yesterday in minus one. That's pretty cold, hey? How's the whole recovery been? I know it's been hard, I know. Yeah, it's coming along. Um, so yeah, I got the concussion, obviously, in Baku. Um, but in the last few months, I've been seeing a concussion specialist and doing a lot of visual rehab exercises. I've posted about it mm-hmm. and stuff. and um, Good, actually. So I was able to ride the track. And when I say ride, I mean putt around and do a couple little jumps <laughs> and manuals. Gotta like, start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Start somewhere. Um, but yeah, it was good. I rode for like half an hour, and I could tell that I was starting to feel... I don't even know how to explain it. I wasn't feeling nauseous or sick, but I was feeling a little off, basically. So I knew that's kind of where I should stop. So I stopped, and then this morning I woke up and felt great. No symptoms or anything. So it's uh, it's really positive. I'm just going to have to keep progressing. It's it's a slow process, but, you know, it's my brain, and <laughs> it's taking this yeah. long. I'm not going to rush back into things. I'm going to be smart. No, I think it's the most important part is just taking it day by day for you and just yeah, making sure it's really ready to go. And you're talking about having to just kind of ride a bit and then see how it is the next morning. That's kind of the process for you, is it? Yeah, because, you know, a couple months ago, I I went riding and I rode a bit more than I did today, actually quite a bit more. And I felt fine at the time, so I didn't think anything of it. But then the next day I woke up and I had such bad headache and I felt really nauseous. So that set me back for a couple of weeks. And so I know now, even though... <laughs> My brain and body are screaming, go faster, go faster. I need to chill off a little and start slow and work my way up. Yeah, that makes sense. It's hard to tell with the brain too. I know like from my own experience, I had, I guess, the one concussion I've been aware of last year. And it seems like, you know, everything physically feels fine until you really start to moving, start to move around and get that blood pressure up. That is kind of the same for you? Yeah, it's super weird because in life I feel fine. You know, like I feel great actually. And, um, Pretty much everything in the gym I can do. Um, it's just, yeah, the visual processing of stuff. So that's what I focused on in rehab. And um, it's pretty relieving that it's uh, it's paying off, honestly, because when you're out for that long and it doesn't seem like you're getting better, it's like, God, what the hell do I have to do? And Because it, it's your brain. It's scary. So um, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, one of the harder harder things I've had to overcome for sure. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear you taking your time with that. I know, like... We're from Canada. We know hockey players. Sidney Crosby had some major ones in his past, and it, I think some of them took him a year or more, and he's back to the top, though. So knowing that it just takes time, and if you stick to the plan and the process, it all comes around. It's good to hear. Yeah, I know for sure. Sidney Crosby, yeah. For those of you who don't know who he is, he's uh, arguably the best hockey player in the world, and he missed, uh, I think, over a year with multiple concussions, and um, he came back and won Olympic gold medal and a couple Stanley Cups, so... You know, he's, a, he's definitely a guy I look up to for that kind of thing. Yeah, no doubt he's a legend. 
For sure. All right. Yeah. Shall we? Shall we start to get our first guest on the show? People are tired of hearing us talk already. They're like, bring us Joris. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get him on here. All right. So without further ado, we'll get Joris Doday on the phone and uh, yeah, talk to him. All right. We got three-time USA BMX number one pro, two-time <laughs> world champion, winner of like 976 races, Joris Doday. What's up, guys? How's it going? Good, good. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. You're our first guest. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. So, yeah, we're excited to have you on. Obviously, you're a, a good friend of both of us, and um, you're a really successful, obviously, BMX racer at the pinnacle of the sport. So, I think people will be interested to hear your story today. Yeah, cool. Um, so, how's it going? What have you been doing since the Grands? Obviously, we've had some off time now since the Grands. Um, a lot of big news coming out of the Dode camp right now. Yeah, it's been good, man. It uh, took some uh, some time off, weeks off after Grands, uh, just to, to relax and refresh your body and enjoy some time with my wife, too. And then, yeah, back to training, uh, expecting mm-hmm. a little... Little guy coming soon, baby Dode coming soon, so uh, everything is going good and uh, very excited about that. Yeah, congrats. congrats on the baby, by the way. Thank That's you. Huge. Yeah, we had a great time. We had the baby shower a little few weeks ago now. We had a great yep. time. Good snacks. <laughs> great snacks. I got to say, when we were playing that beanbag toss game and I was uh, playing beside Marvin, I was trying hard not to fanboy. I was like pretty, <laughs> I was pretty excited I was beside Moosekin, I got to say. <laughs> Yeah, it was, that was fun. I mean, it was a good time, and it's good to have everyone, uh, you know, coming together. It's not always, so it's, it was fun. No kidding. That's a really special time. Um, how are you guys feeling about it? Obviously, um, Tegan's pregnant. You guys are expecting a, a beautiful baby boy. Um, how are you guys feeling about it, and, um, you know, how's it going, and what do you think, you know, how's it going to change things being a dad in racing? Uh, we, we're very excited, maybe a little bit nervous, you know, we... Uh, it's the first one, so we don't really know what to expect. And um, yeah, it's gonna be, I think, challenging at the beginning, you know, to to be able to do uh, to be a parent and also also ride at the at the highest level. But uh, we're excited about that. Excited about the challenge too. And uh, yeah, looking forward to meet him uh, meet him pretty soon. No, no kidding. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you mentioned you had a a couple weeks off after the grands. So. With a pretty short off season, someone like you, you're obviously very accomplished. You've won many titles in the sport, and um, arguably you're the world's best guy. So, what do you work on overall in the off season? Because from someone watching, you look pretty polished. Uh, yeah, you know, off season, uh, it's it's always uh, the hardest parts of the year. You know, you try to uh, to you know get ready for the season because, like you say, the season is long, and we have a little bit of off season, so. You can't really cut everything for all that long, so um, it's just you know being uh, trying to get uh, to get prepared for the season, work on the endurance stuff, you know, gym, the long gym session, and all of that, and uh, try to be ready uh, as as much as possible for the first uh, first race of the year every time. Right, right. So you're still working with uh, Thomas Allier? Yeah, still working with Thomas, and uh, yeah, nothing nothing changed for for next year. How many years has that been together now? Uh, we started together, I think, in uh, thirteen. So it's been uh, it's been a long time, yeah. Been a long time. Good. Uh, it's been a good relationship with him, and uh, yeah, looking for for many more. It's uh, it's been great for me. Good result, and uh, I really enjoy his training. So it's 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 good. No, that's awesome. I think it's it's really important to have a good relationship with your coach, and 
Um, I think the, the longer you work with one coach, uh, it's incredibly beneficial because I know the many years I worked with PH, we got to the point where we knew each other so well, like we knew you know what to expect in training. We kind of knew what worked when. And, you know, at the races too, you just have that kind of relationship that sometimes you don't even need to talk to each other. You can just look at each other and you know what uh, the other one's thinking. Um, James, you've worked with Bob for a while now too, haven't you? Yeah, it's been a few years now, actually. So it's kind of the same thing. Like we chat on a daily basis and he knows just from me telling him how training went, how I'm kind of doing. And then he knows that if we're getting into a race situation that he can kind of just let me know what I need to do. And I kind of trust him no matter what, just kind of takes over. No, I know. It's true. Uh, James, you got a question for Joris? Yeah. I mean, when we uh, wanted to bring you on, Joris, we had like, I guess, a lot of good questions about your background and why you kind of decided to come over to the U.S. and kind of maybe what was your final choice? What drew you over here? I'm guessing it was obviously the USA BMX circuit, but we wanted to hear it from uh, your side of things. Uh, yes, so um, when I became world champion in 2011, I signed a contract with uh, GT back in the day that uh, mentioned that I needed to come in uh, well, that 2013 after the Olympics to come uh, do a season in America. So for me, it was you know a dream come true to be able to just uh, come in America and race with the, the best rider in the world and uh, the best, you know championship in the world that back in the day was very uh, yeah very, very important for me and uh, yeah I, I struggled a little bit at the beginning you know it's uh, 2013 2014 was hard for me um, just you know changing the country with Tigan and uh, trying to you know just just a different language and different culture in America so it was a little little hard but then uh, 2015 got my first. Uh, first championship and then um yeah dream uh, dream was there and uh since then you know, never really look back and never really think about leaving the country and leaving america so it's uh, it's been pretty good uh, pretty good for me and for tegan too no that's that's awesome um so i know i spent a lot of time in france um the last years because i trained with ph i went there in the winter a lot and between the world cups i i would go to the south of france um so you grew up in bordeaux right Yes, Bordeaux, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Never been there. I heard it's beautiful. Um, nice. But I, I, know, I noticed there's a lot of differences in culture between the French culture and the U.S. culture. Um, so was that difficult to overcome and was a bit of a shock to, you know, uproot your life and come over? Because that's not an easy thing to do at all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that was, uh, that was one of the hardest parts, you know. Um, I was, um, my parents live outside of Bordeaux, so about 45 minutes from Bordeaux. So I've always been very close to them and always came back home in the weekend and stuff like this. So being like, I don't know, 10,000 miles away, it's, it was a big change for me and Tegan. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was difficult and, uh, and a hard time, you know, for both of us. But uh, looking back now, it's, it was an amazing experience, you know, to be able to start our new life here in America and being being able to you know make new friends uh, new new people that we can call family as well so it's uh, it's been great for bmx but also for our personal life no for sure yeah um was it how was learning english was it was it tough with tegan obviously you guys met through bmx and english being your second language was it was it kind of tough because i i know sometimes <laughs> sometimes when you start talking to a girl it's tough even if they speak the same language <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that was time harder yeah i mean it's um you know, it's it's difficult even even today. You know, sometimes I go to uh, to a shop or something like this, and it's hard to to understand people. But uh, I mean, I I learn a lot, and I think my English is getting better and better every every time. So it's uh, 
it's been challenging for for me and Sigan. Sigan is English is her first language, so it was pretty easy for her. But yeah, to be able to uh, to speak and and try to understand people and make yourself, you know, people to understand yourself as well, it was it was tough. But uh, now it's 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 almost my first language for me, so I'm I'm pretty pretty confident about it. That's, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, so I got to ask though, was it hard to convince Tegan to come over with you, or was she fully on board with the uh, the whole move over to the US? Um, we we never really talk about it, so it's um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, after um, after London, I went to South Africa for a few months. I think three months, and then I told her that I was I was gonna move to uh, America, you know, to to get uh, to do a season there, and uh, that GT wanted me there, and then. She straight away she she jumped on board and uh, you know I never really have to ask her if she wanted to come it's just uh, it came naturally and uh, and yeah she just she just followed me and uh, she also wanted to to try to ride here in America and uh, and try the American circuit and get ready for the for the World Cup and stuff so it's been uh, it's been great and yeah no no problem to convince her yeah that's so cool you guys seem to work really well together on and off the track it seems like she's there for you kind of to help you at the races or just in practice sessions too hey yeah yeah it's amazing to have her by my side you know it's uh since she stopped it's uh, it's even it's even better you know because she can uh, she really spend all her time with me and she comes to the track with me and help me every time that uh, you know I, I need help so it's it's been very great and i'm very uh very lucky to have her in my life and uh and i'm here where i am today also because of her you know no, it's really special. That's really special. Um, so yeah, getting back a little to when you first came over to the U.S. So, you know, in 2011, you're 20 years old. You won the world championships. Um, was it difficult after that kind of 2012, 13, 14? You mentioned that you struggled a little in that kind of time frame. Um, was it difficult, you know, as a younger rider to have that rainbow jersey and maybe just speak a little on like the pressures of it and maybe the expectations of kind of being in the spotlight all of a sudden? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard, you know, to um, first to win a title, it's hard, but it's even harder to, to stay on top, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's just how it is in every, every sport, you know, you see a lot of people winning title, but then it's, it's even harder to, to stay on top and to be able to get the other titles the next year. So it was, uh, it was difficult for me. I think, uh, you know, nobody really expected me at this, at this level in 2011 and, uh, I surprised a lot of people. I surprised myself as well. And uh, coming coming after this season, you know, it was uh, yeah, it was I was a lot of of struggle, you know, because I won I won a lot of races in 2011 and 2012. I couldn't I couldn't win any races. I wasn't able to do it. So it was a hard time. And then hard time after London, the Olympics, you know, not not being able to perform. And uh, and then and then yeah, the move here in America was hard too. So. It was a it was a few years where it was a, it was a lot of a lot of struggle and a hard time, but uh, but you know we made it happen and, uh, and and it's good now. So right, no, totally. Um, yeah, you've had an incredibly successful career. It's it's pretty amazing, <laughs> a twenty year old to win the world championships. Obviously, Neek did it when he was the first year elite, but the fact that the two of you could do that, not only just do it, but do it when you first came in the classes, is pretty incredible. And that's you know I don't know if that'll necessarily happened again um so you know obviously that you spent those years um having a bit of a tough time um you know getting the results you wanted after winning the world championships so what necessarily changed because I, I know when you first came to the u.s you had some difficulty maybe getting on the podium or winning compared um comparatively speaking to now 
Uh, we were pretty much winning around the podium every time. So what necessarily changed? Was it something physical or mental or did you just kind of get used to everything and kind of reset and get going? Uh, I think it's a little bit of everything, you know, it's, um, like I said, the struggle coming, uh, coming from Europe and, and having nobody here, no family and, and not, not knowing the country and the culture, you know, was a little bit of a struggle. And then, uh, also physically, you know, it's, it's a total different, I'm not going to say different sports, but it's total different kind of race, you know, a kind of track, you know, you wait, uh, you had three hours between your model way in Europe, you, you do everything in three hours and the tracks are totally different in Europe and here. So it took me a little bit of time, you know, to adjust to that, um, being able to perform and uh, having a good first rate, which uh, is very important in America. And um, yeah, I think it was a little bit of everything, you know, to work hard physically, work hard mentally too, because, you know, I didn't want you to stay here in America to just do final and not being able to to be uh, fighting for the for the title at the end of the year. So just, yeah, just uh, try to try to work on every aspect and, uh, and uh, yeah, made it happen. So I'm very happy about that. For sure. Someone, I, yeah, someone go ahead, like James. you, who is probably one of the most skillful riders in the world, Joris, you come from Thank the you, tracks James. in France, which <laughs> I think a lot of people have known for being technical and um, compared to the U.S. where it's, you know, a little easier, jumps are a little flatter. Was that kind of, you have to get used to a different style of track as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's it's totally different. Like I say, it's just just so much flatter here. Uh, not a lot of uh, of uh, of technical parts, you know, where you can pass people on the track. So it was a lot of uh, a lot of learning for me. But uh, but yeah, it's it's just different different kind of tracks. And uh, now I enjoy both of them. But yeah, uh, Europe was a, a lot more technical. Yeah, I think that's a. A difference people don't necessarily take into account when riders from Europe like yourself or other top guys come race in the U.S. or when U.S. guys go to Europe and maybe don't do as well as people think it's just it's a lot different like besides you know culture and hotel and food and all that kind of crap like the scheduling is way different at the races like you said um, the tracks are completely different and you know it is BMX at the end of the day but it it's really different and I know the first time I went to race a Euro round, I was junior in France, and I couldn't believe how fast they ran the motors between each other. Like, you're still breathing hard, your legs are still heavy, and you still have to race. It's insane compared to the U.S. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, I think it's about 15 or 20 minutes between every round. So it's, uh, it's just like I say, in three hours, you've done, you've done every moto and all the main events. So it's, it's completely different. And also, yeah, the tracks are totally different. I mean, when I talk to, to American kids, they go to Europe for for worlds and stuff like this, like in Zolder and a few years ago, and they couldn't perform, but it's so, it's so hard for them, you know, to go, to go from like a flat, flat hill, flat track where you pedal everywhere to a track where you just pedal down the hill and after you just have to work on your skills. So it's, it's just totally different, different tracks. For sure. I know James, you've raced a lot of Euro rounds. What do you think? I've started to actually, to be honest, I've only actually raced one year around. I just did really? that one last year in Zolder. That was your first so, one, eh? Yeah, that was my first oh. one ever, actually. I so I've raced a one. bunch in Zolder, obviously, but that was my first year around. And it was quite a shell shock to uh, hop in there with, I think we had eight at that year around. <laughs> and coming from America, we often just get quarters. And maybe at the Supercross races, we get into maybe eights. But the shell shock for sure, hopping into that many riders and that quick for a race no for sure and yeah <laughs> the racing's quite a bit different you know um the usa bmx i find you have to be pretty you can win by being pretty one-dimensional honestly like you have a good gate in first straight 
and you don't have a ton of skill, you can make it around and win because you don't necessarily have to pass guys and, um, you know, you don't need a ton of track speed necessarily in the U.S. or skill, I should say. Whereas in Europe, I think it tracks the, the person who wins is generally a more complete rider, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, if you see races here in America, you don't, like the guy that does the all shot almost win like 99% of the, of the time. But uh, in Europe, a lot of people pass on the track. You know, it's, it's not just about the first straight, it's about being, being able to, uh, to go fast on the track and being able to minimize every mistake too as well on the track. So it's, uh, it's a little bit more complete, I guess. For sure. And I mean, if you're fast, you're fast. But, you know, I agree with what you're saying. Um, what about you, James? Got a question for Joris? Yeah. So as a complete racer as yourself, Joris, is there anything that you would have done? Or sorry, is there any race you would have liked to have back? That was a question we had for you. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's always, you know, always racing. Even when you win a race, sometimes you just, you know, you go back to the hotel and you're like, fuck, I should have done that differently. You know, I would have won different <laughs> stuff like this. But, um, uh, any race that I will take differently, I mean, you learn every time from your mistakes. So it's just, it's no race where I'm like, oh, I, I want, I mean, I always want to, like the Olympics, you know, Lond- uh, Rio, I would like to go back and, you know, maybe, maybe jump with sperm jumps, you know, to be able to, <laughs> maybe two, two laps. But um, uh, maybe also the Grands in 2000, what was that, 17, where I got sick, I would have loved to not be sick and, not saying that I would have won, but just you know to be able to uh, to fight for the title and being hundred percent. And whoever wins, whoever is the best this day, but you know to be able to uh, to fight for this title. So it's always, always, yeah. I mean, you always want to uh, to be better, even if you win or even if you're able to perform. But I guess it's how our competitive people are. No, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, James, we have races we want back too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't have any races that I've won that I want back, but there's definitely a lot of races I want back. Um, speaking of the Olympics, um, so obviously the Olympics came into BMX in Beijing. Um, what do you, what do you, what are your views kind of on on BMX in the Olympics? And um, obviously, you've been incredibly successful, like we've touched on in your career. Um, but what do you think has maybe limited you from gaining success, the success you would have liked, I should say, at the the past two Olympics? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. It's we get the just, truth on this show, Joris. We get the truth uh, here. That's, that's good. Um, well, the, the London one, 2012, like I said earlier, you know, it was coming from an amazing year. Um, just, yeah, I mean, I wasn't able to perform all year and, uh, it was a little bit of a shock, you know, to not be able to get in the main, but also I couldn't imagine winning it. You know, I, I wasn't good all season and it was it was the first one for me and couldn't, I mean, I don't imagine myself being a gold medalist there. But Rio coming, uh, win, winning the World Championship two months before, feeling very good. And um, yeah, I was, I mean, it just, it just didn't work out for me. It's just, uh, you know, it was, uh, that day was windy and I didn't want to take any risk and I didn't, I didn't jump the berm jump. And unfortunately, I think Nick just touched me and, we both crashed and yeah, that's it. So uh, I don't, I mean, I haven't done anything wrong for these races, I guess. Uh, just, uh, just, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe being too conservative, being, thinking of it a little bit too much. And uh, I've always been ready for this event. So if I go choose the Tokyo one, I will, uh, I know I will be ready for that and uh, we'll try another time. For sure, for sure. I've seen Doris, yeah, you've talked about consistency over like the past year I've seen you on the USA BMX circuit. You've definitely been one of the most consistent guys. I mean, I think every race I've been to where you've been there, you 
at least one one of the days on the weekend. Has there any been anything that's kind of clicked for you that's made you so consistent? That's a bad strength, I think. You know, that's how we say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no yeah. I mean, it just you just you know trying to be consistent every time. Um, it's it's tough to be able to to be on the podium every weekend. You know, it's uh, it's so tight. The level is so high now that uh, everyone is very competitive. So it's hard. But uh, yeah, I always try to do my best. I always I always try to be as ready as possible for every race. You know, I try to not just choose one race. You know, it's uh, to be able to get the title at the end of the year. You have to be consistent all year. So it's uh, just try and you not know, just be be ready for every race and. Uh, and have fun and yeah enjoy enjoy every race it seems yeah it seems you know from the outside that um i think one of the reasons um you've been able to have good success is you have a seems like you have a really calm demeanor at the races generally like i'm sure you get nervous like we all do but it seems you do a good job of keeping things in perspective and kind of just staying in the moment with what you're doing yeah yeah i mean it's you know everyone is different like you say it's just uh, i try to uh, I try to stay calm. I guess it's it's how I am, you know, in a, in the life in a, in BMX as well. So try to to stay calm and uh, and really enjoy every every moment at the races. You know, it's uh, it's it's a little little time in our life, so we need to enjoy it as much as possible. You know, it can come get come and goes so quickly. You know, you can be you can be on top one day and you can be just not making the the main or not even getting out of the motors the next day. You know, so it's. Uh, just try to enjoy it as much as possible as I can. And, um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's a good outlook because our sport is ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> the, sec- the second you're not on the gate or you're not in the main, you're forgotten about it and the camera's in someone else's face. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. No, it is totally. Um, so speaking kind of about the races, uh, me and James were, were talking before. And, um, you know, what we were talking – we've – you know, me and James, we talk a lot about um, some controversial topics or issues in the sport and – what do you, what do you, what do you think you know what issue do you see in the sport um you know what do you think do you see any problems in the sport or any issues that you think are holding the sport back or you know what are your thoughts on anything like that mm, I guess it's always in like issues you know you always want uh, you always want more you always want more money you know more sponsor and all of that but uh, at the end of the day you know it's 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 BMX you know such a small industry uh, such a small sport you know so it's um, it's hard to to be asking for too much, you know. It's uh, I think we had even if people complain, you know, we had a good good spot right now. You know, we we able to go to the Olympic Games, you know, which it's it's a dream for a lot of kids. You know, a lot of a lot of athletes doesn't have their sport there and doesn't have the opportunity to to qualify and be able to enjoy the show there. And um, I think that's a good thing for us. And um, yeah, I mean, the, I'm guessing the industry is not as good as it used to be. If uh, if I'm listening to everyone, but um, <laughs> I mean, just yeah, it's 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 a lot of things that we could do different. You know, we could uh, we could promote the sports a lot different, especially here in America. I think um, I think the pro are not uh, are not put on the light, you know, as much as in Europe. You know, it's uh, it's not a, not a big show like in Europe. So I think we could we could work on that, and uh, it's a lot of things that could be done. You know, but uh, but. Other than that, I mean, it's just you know, it's BMX. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we have a ways to go till we start selling out uh, baseball stadiums and football arenas and such. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we can't we can't compare ourselves to that kind of sports. You know, BMX never been like that. So we, unfortunately, for the other people and the kids 
it will never be like this. You know, we're not going to go to to Anaheim and do a BMX right there. You know, it's that's not how it is, and it's not how it will be. I, I don't think so. No, true. No, unfortunately, I, though. I agree. You know, a lot of times people complain, and I'm probably guilty of it too. At times, we've complained about BMX, like, oh, we wish we got you know made more money in the sport, blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, like. Like you're saying, I'm I'm extraordinarily thankful for the opportunity that I've, I've had. I never dreamed of being able to make a living at what I do and being able to travel the world and the experiences I've made. And um, I wouldn't change it for anything. Like, yeah, sure, you can, like you said, you can always want more. But at the end of the day, I'm very thankful for what I have. And I know our sport is a, you know, it's a small industry. But at this end of the day, um, if you can maximize what you can do in the sport, I think you can look back and be proud of what you've done and what you've accomplished. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's you know, you... When I guess when you stop and you retire, you really look back and say, "Oh, that was that was a good life." You know, you travel the world, uh, you make money, you you know, you're able to to live your dream and uh, get a nice house and all of that. So it's it's I mean that's how I see it. You know, that's why I never really complain about anything that other people complain. Of course, I want more money. You know, I want, I want more price money at the races, but you know, a lot of other sports not not really able to do what we do. So it's it's I still I mean good you know absolutely james you got a couple more questions for joris well first of all i think we need to take a quick pause here and comment that tori's had the phone ring in the background three times now unbelievable <laughs> so, seriously the phone the main line in our house doesn't ring that often and then the one time we're doing a podcast my grandpa called a couple times my mom called <laughs> this is some rude stuff joris not me at the uh, anaheim one race with you this is rude okay so we gotta clear, we gotta clear the, we gotta clear the air here so joris okay first of all the the what happened was apparently James was rude to Joris. So we're gonna hear Joris' side and then we're gonna hear James' side. So Joris, you go ahead. So let's, <laughs> where, where to start? No. So um I was at Anaheim one. James texted me I think the night before, if I'm not wrong, asking me if I was going to Anaheim. So I said, Yeah, I'm going. Uh, the weather was bad and whatever. So I say, Okay, I will be I will be there for sure. So I text him during the day, and he say, "Oh, I'm at the taco. What is that, James? The taco, taco place?" No, no, we were sitting on the back of uh, Tommy's truck having tacos with Robbo. Okay, so that was at the parking lot, right? So you're tailgating in the parking lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. tailgating in the parking lot, which is what maybe two minutes walk from the pits where I was staying. Yeah, I was staying no with way. Marvin. No, it's like ten minutes. Okay, James, I'm gonna meet in the middle. It's like it's like five. It's in the parking lot, okay, and then let's say five. The pits is let's adjacent. Say, okay, let's say five minutes. So, so I say, well, let, let's come, and I make you like I do a tour of the KTM pits or whatever, whatever you want. You can meet Marvin and stuff. Which, let's say, uh, James is a big fan of Marvin. Okay, so it's a big opportunity for him, you know, to meet him and and being able to see the bikes and stuff like this. Well, yeah. So, oh, oh no, it's <sighs> raining. Uh, we're going to a restaurant outside the stadium. Uh, maybe later. So I'm like, okay, well, let's let's watch the race together. So I text him later, and he was in the grands about what? Let's say one minute walk, not even. James, I, I'm not liking this. This story doesn't put you in a good light, James. It's not okay, even the end. So, the thing, though. so I say, oh, wait, wait, James, James, you'll get, get, you'll get, James, like, you'll get your turn. You'll get your turn. We gotta let our guest speak his side here. Okay, okay. So um, he was staying with uh, Sean, Sean's dad, and other other people like, uh, from BMX, and uh, so I was with Tegan. Tegan, she can't walk. You know, she's pregnant, so she has to <laughs> minimize the walking. It's already, let's say, five minutes to go up the stairs. 
so it's a lot of work <laughs> so we couldn't we couldn't really move so i said well james we're here come see us come say hi and come watch the race with us you can bring the people or come for five minutes and he said oh i don't think we're gonna move uh oh. he, put, he put everything on sean and sean is that oh no we're gonna stay here you know i don't want to be rude with them i don't want to leave them and stuff like this so yeah, from that night, I'm not really friends with James. Oh, it's a, I gotta say, James, it sounds a bit weak. Sounds a bit weak. I never, I'm never a little nervous to try to dig well. myself out of this hole now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you can say to that, but go ahead. You're gonna try and make a pregnant woman walk to see you instead, or what? <laughs> exactly. Okay, that, I never tried to make her walk. What happened was when he texted me, we had walked to me and Sean and uh, Natalie, Bryce Hawkins, I guess, fiance, wife. We'd walked across the street to one of the restaurants, and that's when George texted me to come on back, and it was pouring rain. And so when he texted me, I already felt bad that if I just ditched Sean there because he was the one that you know drove me, him and his dad drove me to Anaheim. I was hanging out with them all day. I felt bad if I ditched them because they didn't want to come. So I was like, okay, I can't ditch the friend that already brought me here and stuff. I'm going to stick by this guy and be a good friend to Sean. <laughs> this guy. So that's why I didn't walk over. So I was trying to be a good friend to him. But in turn, I end up being a bad friend to Joris. <laughs> yeah, and, you, and you didn't get to meet yeah. Marvin or see the KTM bikes. Like, I'm sure Sean would have exactly, understood. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure Sean would have understood. No, no, and I still, I still invited him for my baby shower. And of course, I was bummed as heck, though, that I didn't get to meet Marvin. I didn't get to see the bikes, the rig. Oh, like, anybody that knows me knows I'm a super fan. And I, was super I know. I can't, I can't believe you passed up meeting Marvin going to the KTM rig. Yeah, well, that's that's a one-time, one-in-a-lifetime experience. So, so I'm taking the loss on this one, boys. I'm not going to try to dig myself out. <laughs> um, uh, that's funny. Another, actually, kind of random question we had was, how did you become good friends with Marvin? Um, so it was through uh, Red Bull. So he moved, I think he moved here in America a year before us. And um, we were in contact by email and stuff like this. And one, one day... We went for a recovery ride at the beach, and uh, randomly we just met him at the beach. He was doing a recovery ride as well with uh, his uh, his wife, and I was with Tiken, and we just we just met each other like we rode across each other, and then we looked back and we we're like, oh, "That's Marvin!" And so we stopped, and then we talk a little bit, and since then, well, we're good friends. So it's uh, it's pretty amazing to have a, a French guy like this uh, close to my house and being able to be friends with uh, yeah with him. So it's it's great. That's awesome. So you just randomly saw each other. Yeah, we were in and we saw each other, yeah. So it was it was pretty cool. Wow. I must say, I was already excited when you invited me to your baby shower, George. I'd like to have him there and play some beanbag toss with him. I was, yeah. I got, was it, I got to say, <laughs> we were talking about it on the drive up for a while. <laughs> he's, a, he's a really nice guy. He's a really nice guy. If you don't, yeah, he's, he's a very good guy. He's, if you don't really know motocross, you don't really know he's... He's as good as he is, you know. It's it's just Amborg guy, and uh, yeah, very good friend. I, I love that about him and other champions that um, you know are really humble and just normal guys and go out and kill it. I think that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. That's that's good. Um, I was going to ask something about Marvin. I can't remember. Um, well, speaking of other riders in let's say BMX sport, is there any riders that George that you've I guess had a lot of respect for racing in particular? Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's. I, when I grew up, I wasn't really watching all of the videos and stuff. I mean, in France, it was a little bit different. We, we of course, we look up to like Christophe Lévesque and Thomas Allier and, and, you know, guy like this, but we would never really look up like American and all of that. We just, we just knew French people. But, um, yeah, I mean, um, 
I'm always respectful of Christophe, what he accomplished in BMX and also in his life now. Um, Thomas was as, le- as well as good, uh, as good rider. And uh, also, I know Maris, you know, is a uh, two-time gold, gold champion, gold Olympic. Um, he, he won all the races he, he ever done. So it's, uh, it's pretty amazing to be now friends with him as well and, uh, and see how, you know, he, he was able to perform and, uh, and what he done. So it's, uh, yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. Is there any rider that you've had uh, maybe a rivalry or you had a kind of a tough time beating, let's say? Tough time beating? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a few guys. Um, you know, Sam was, was one of the top riders too. When I, I, I went up to the elite class, he was he was on top too. Um, when we were really young, uh, Yellow Van Korkum was very, very good. He was... Uh, he was super tall and he was super fast. Um, what I'm saying, like probably like 13, 14 years old, he was. Oh, he's huge. He was yeah, huge. Yeah, he was unbeatable. Seriously, yeah. he was like you were just fighting for the second place. He was he was way out in front. So uh, he was very hard to beat. And uh, I mean, Maris, you know, always been a great athlete too. So yeah. Well, what do you think, James? You got any more questions, or should we go to the quick shot? I think we should move on to our next segment of the show. Which is the Ooh. quick shot questions. Okay. So, so this, Joris, is uh, we're going to ask you a bunch of questions. Keep it nice and quick, short answer, one word, one sentence, just nice and quick, all right? Okay. All right, so, Joris, this one's for you. Describe the old Manchester Supercross track. For sheets. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> all right, next question. Uh, Joris, what's your favorite race win in your career? Uh, Grains 2015. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, you were, you were great. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Tori, question for you. Did you ever think about moving to the U.S. to race? Did I or do I? Did you? Yeah, yes, but I ended up deciding kind of just basically I'll live here and then go down and train there and race there. Um, but now that I have that's, American girl- that. now that I have an American girlfriend, I think it's going to change. I think I'll end up. I think I'll end up moving there. Yeah. Girl, that happens with the ladies, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right, Joris, will you ever let your son race BMX? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we should ask Con- we should All ask right. Connor the same thing if he has a son. <laughs> All right, Tori, how many people have you passed in one lap? Oh, um, oh, six. So six, yeah. Let's the, hear them. The super what race was it? Uh, the Rock Hill Supercross in the rain in 2015 in the main. I hit the oh, gate. You, that was good. Yeah, I hit the gate and got cut off like halfway through my first crank by Amadou, and I was in <laughs> I was in eighth, and then I ended up getting second. So I think that's one of the coolest things I've ever done. That's a good one. George, you were in that one too, didn't you? Did you go off the track or something? You crashed. Yeah, I was. I was on the floor in the last turn. <laughs> in, in the I think I remember seeing your hands up in the air at that one. Yeah, exactly. Ami do cut you off, right? Yeah, a little bit. Like he cuts you off out of the first crank, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question, Joris. If you weren't riding a chase, what would you be riding? If I wasn't riding a chase, what would I be riding? Um, so it was a brand that I like. Like I mean, sure. Whatever you want. Uh, uh, I like uh, um, I like S squared. Good answer. Good answer. Good, answer. Yeah, that's good friends. Good friends. I, I like I like the fact that you actually answered and weren't just like oh I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, yeah. I like the brain, I like the people, and yeah. It's cool. Good. Awesome. All right, next question, Joris. If you had to pick one Supercross racer besides Muskin to win the title, who would it be? <laughs> Marvin's li- Marvin listens to this. He's a friend of the but, show. <laughs> uh, if I had to choose one, um, I would like to see Roxanne too. Yeah, yeah. No, just because of the story, that. you know, it's just yeah. You know, we know how hard it is to come back from injury, and they had a, had a pretty bad one. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, uh, Tori, who was the hardest competitor you had to race growing up? Oh, Corbin for sure. Man, he. So me, Connor, and Corbin, we grew up racing together since we were young kids, and he would win like 95% of the time. We might beat him, I don't know, once or twice a year. Um, so seriously, if you beat him, it was an incredible day. He killed us all the time. Seriously. <laughs> all right, George, this is our uh, double shot question, as we call it. What do you miss about France slash what don't you like about the U.S.? <laughs> what I miss about, about France, I miss food. And family, and uh, what I don't like about America, traffic. Oh yeah, where you live, there's tons of that. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. All right, Joris, if you weren't racing BMX, what would you do? Uh, tennis. Tennis? Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Tennis. We need to play some tennis, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say golf, but you know how I suck at golf. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question, Tori. Uh, what made you start grabbing the air for the camera at the World Cup races? I think I saw Nick do it once, and then I started doing it, and it was kind of just like, everyone's kind of boring in the gate. Most of the time, no one does anything, so I thought it was fun to do something. And then I just kind of, people started knowing about it and whatever and expecting it. I just kind of thought it was cool, and so I just kind of went for it. I don't know. I think it's a good way to enjoy the moment kind of thing, too. Yeah, I get that. Very known for it now, too, which yeah. is cool. All right, uh, Tori. Uh, highlight race of your career or just one you're most proud of? Um, had to be winning the gold medal at Pan Am Games in 2015. Yeah, that was, de- yeah definitely that's got to be it, especially because I missed like six months before that with an injury and come back and win and beat, you know, some amazing riders was, yeah, definitely. I think I just realized, too, we got the uh, – Pan American champ from what 2015, and also the uh, European Games champ. Is that right, Joris? Yep, that's right. Oh yeah, man, we got stars on the show. The show. <laughs> All right. So, and okay, last question for Joris: If you could blast one BMXer over the corner for fourth in <laughs> semi, who would it be? <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, I would love to see Joris just see <laughs> James up in the last three. <laughs> Yeah, I would love that. And for the little story, uh, James was about to do that this year at the Grands, but he didn't do it. He didn't perform. Oh, yeah. I yeah. was having a bad weekend, and last moto, I, I was playing blast whoever's in front of me. But then at the time, I realized that there really wasn't any point in crashing for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to take the loss. Just teague some guy up and mess up his lane choice for the quarter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any more, Jim? Right. It's all good? Yeah, that wraps up our quick shot questions segment. Nice. So, um, yeah, Joris, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, it was really cool to hear your story. It was uh, actually really interesting for us to hear how you decided to come over and 
I mean, obviously we spent a lot of time together as you're one of our good friends, but it was kind of fun to go a bit more in depth and, you know, see what makes you tick and um, the story that you've had to come, come over from France. It's, it's truly amazing and remarkable. And I hope a lot of kids are inspired by it. And um, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was good. Uh, happy to be the first guest on the on the show. And uh, yeah, I hope everyone really enjoy it and uh, enjoys the story that I have and uh, try to yeah just make people uh, believe in their dream as well. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Best of luck in Phoenix this coming week in Oldsmar, and uh, we'll chat soon, buddy. Perfect. Thank you, Toy. See you, James. See you later. Later. See you later. Joris Doday, everybody. Hell of a guy. Hell of a guy, fantastic racer, friend with great snacks. <laughs> great. So his his wedding shower, the the spread was incredible. Just like the tables, the setup, the ambiance, the food, the dessert. They did an amazing job. And let me tell you the best party I've ever been to. No drinking, just you know, a bunch <laughs> of people, friends having a good time together, eating good snacks and playing games. Best party ever. Is <laughs> No kidding. And his story is really cool. I was honestly fascinated to hear why he came over to the U.S. and stuff. I mean, that takes some balls. It's not easy to come. You know, can you imagine moving, you know, uprooting your life and moving to a country across the world where you don't speak the language and where you're kind of going all in, you know, like you're either going to make it or you're not. And, you know, you're probably (laughs) spending a lot of money to be there. And it's that's not an easy thing to do. He bet on himself and it, it turned out. Yeah, no doubt. It's a big gamble, especially after he talked about having some struggles in 2012, 2013 to, to make the move after that. It's, it's definitely you, you're gambling on yourself. And he took a big gamble and it definitely has paid off for him, you know, having a house here, a family that's living in America and, you know, making a living racing these races. He's done a really good job for himself. It's cool to see. Especially when you, you know, you take into account that um, in 2011, he won every single European round. And I think that's the only time it's ever been done. Um, yeah. And, you know, he could have easily stayed in Europe, in France, where he's comfortable with his family, had a good career in Europe, made good money and, you know, lived as a pro there. But he decided to take a risk coming over. And I think that's one of the more impressive things Doris has ever done. I'd have to agree. Yeah, it's that's a bold move to do. And he definitely made it pay off. No, for sure. Um, yeah. So we're going to wrap up the show here. Um, a couple other things house cleaning things let's quickly talk about phoenix so phoenix is coming up next weekend how are we doing james you ready yeah i've been i'll be there been uh, having a good off season down here in san diego when we can get to ride so kind of just looking forward to getting the season kicked off i mean grand's was a couple months ago now that was the last race for me so it'll be nice to get back into the swing of things and kind of just get the juices flowing and get ready for the big part of the season which is going to be over in europe which is the world cups but yeah phoenix is going to be the big opener uh, we all know how that track is, you know, the layout, the awesome warm-up areas, you know, really looking forward to it, you know. <laughs> so like, like we mentioned earlier, I'm obviously not going as I'm still recovering, but the last segment we have is the rant. So James, you want to introduce the rant we have for this segment or for this okay, show? We need to talk about the warm-up and cool-down area at Phoenix, at least at least the last two years. For explain to people, for people that haven't been there, explain to people what it's like. Okay, first of all, we're in a, it's straight up bullshit. We say it like it is on the show. <laughs> so I like going to Phoenix. I've gone there since I was 11. Like when I go there, I get a little um, sentimental because me and my dad went there when I was 10 or 11 for the first time. And I've gone there almost every year since. So it's a really cool, really cool national. Um, it's big. It's fun. It's the first one of the year. The people of Black Mountain are really welcoming. But... So, but we used to warm up on the road and that was fine. But apparently the businesses down the street 
say no, no to that anymore. So the last couple of years, we had, they made a designated warm up for us in the parking lot on gravel. How'd that go? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? It's unbelievable. The gravel is loose. You can barely ride you on it. You can't even pedal on it. No, and you're coming off one of the most tiring tracks on the, the circuit, let's say. Oh, your legs are on fire. Yeah, it's the first race. You're not used to this yet. <laughs> no, so I don't know what the decision was or whatever, if their hands were tied or who was it, but it's just like, it's so unfortunate because how, you know, we're an elite sport, we're in the Olympics, and yet we've got to warm up on gravel in the parking lot. That's crap. Yeah, and we, yeah, obviously USCBMX does what they can. They provide an area for us to do it, but packing down some gravel to ride on really just does, I don't know, doesn't really cut it. <laughs> no, and I know black people of Black Mountain do such a good job getting the track ready, but I don't know what the solution is. But you have a bunch of pros and not even just pros, amateurs. We're like, well, let's just do some leg swings in the pit. And then after a, <laughs> after a lap, you got to walk all the way back and just kind of not cool down. Like it's just logistically not good. No, you just got to let the legs burn there. That's for sure. No, but that being said, besides that, the first race of the year in Phoenix is really cool. Oh, yeah. A lot of hype around the pros. I mean, that's like the amateurs have had a couple of races so far, but the pros haven't started their season yet. So it's a big opener to see kind of who's been kind of making gains in the off season, who's pulling, who's ready to kind of let loose. For sure. For sure. I'm excited to follow it. I'm sure you're excited to race it. Yeah, I'm excited to bang some bars. We don't get many uh, dirt turns, kind of old school style BMX tracks. So it's always exciting to start it off there. For sure. And I think that's the... Probably the best track on the circuit, I should say, non-supercross best track on the circuit, I think. Yeah, I'd agree, too. Great turns, you know, good first straight. Pretty technical track with a rhythm section down the fourth straightaway. So it's definitely one of the better ones, I'd say. No, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I guess that concludes our first show, James. That, that was our first one. That was our first yeah. show. Wow. Let's just have a little mini round of applause here. A mini round of applause for ourselves. I'm patting myself <laughs> on the back right now. So... That went pretty well, I think. Yeah, for anybody, if this is still on, you know, we were nervous before the show. It was our first one, but we were really excited to get these underway. And I'm pretty happy with how this one went. George was a great guest to have on first. Fant fantastic guest. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to him. So we're going to try and do this weekly, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Try and do it weekly. We're going to try and have different guests on, talk about, you know, new topics, current topics, tell people's story, um, maybe touch on some races here and there. What do you think, James? I think that sounds great. I think mean, personally, and I think a lot of people will agree that it's nice to hear about these racers behind the scenes, not just what they do at the track at the races, not just about their BMX life, but behind the scenes, their family life, their what they do on a you know, day-to-day -day basis. It's really cool to hear. For sure. I mean, we, we don't really care what their sprint times are. We want to hear about their story. Yeah, exactly. We want to hear what they're doing Friday night, you know. Yeah, no sprint times. <laughs> <laughs> so we really appreciate everyone that listened. We really appreciate um, you people listening. We're going to come out with some content weekly. Um, you know, subscribe to our podcast channel. Follow us on Instagram. Look for the podcast coming out. We really appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next Great show. Time.